This is the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where it's all about getting the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Brought to you by Inamur Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. And now, here's your host, Inamar Shafir. Welcome to the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we talk with successful marketing experts about ways to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Our guest today is a serial entrepreneur and a leading business coach. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Pilot to Profit, Navigating Modern Entrepreneurship to Build Your Business Using Online Marketing, Social Media, Content Marketing, and Sales. She helped thousands of business owners grow their business to six and seven figures and beyond. I'm excited to say hello to Lisa Larder. Hi, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I always like to talk with people that have a ton of experience helping other people because <laughs> that's exactly what this podcast is about, right? That's great. Uh, it's great. You're helping other people help other people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's that's the way it goes. Um, if we can uh, if we can help our fellow marketers who have a small agency trying to grow it and they're helping their SMBs and we're helping other people grow as well. Uh, so I, I want to, you know, before we jump into how we can help the listeners in different ways uh, from your experience, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are, how you got to starting, you know, start helping businesses grow. Well, I, I mean, I was a, a bratty teenager and I, I dropped out of high school my last year of, of um, high school and uh, I got a job in retail and turns out I'm a pretty good salesperson. So of course in retail, if you can sell, you get promoted and promoted and promoted. And I ended up working for a large Canadian wireless company and I was responsible for about a hundred million dollars in retail sales across the country. And I pretty much reached what I would call the glass ceiling uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm a high school dropout. And mm. so when you work for a Fortune 50 company uh, and you don't have an MBA from the right university, as a woman, it can be hard to progress in the organization. And I wasn't willing to move from where I lived at the time. So a colleague of mine said, you should open a retail store because that was the channel that you know, I was responsible for, he's like, you could do that in your sleep. And I had always aspired to help business owners. I always wanted to be a consultant. I wanted to, you know, get in and show business owners, you know, how to grow their business. And um, I always felt like business owners work really, really, really hard and they don't often get the payoff that they deserve because they don't mm. understand business. And so I thought opening this bricks and mortar retail store would be a great way for me to uh, learn how to run a business uh, in order to have the credibility to advise other business owners. And little did I know that I already knew way more than the average small business owner from all of my corporate experience. And so within, I think, 90 days of opening my bricks and mortar store, I had my first consulting gig and I just continued to network and build my retail business and help small business owners to the point where one day a woman tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, 
if you would teach us how to do the things that you know how to do, we would all be willing to pay you. And I was a little bit shocked at the time. It's like a fish mm. in water, right? They don't realize that you're the only one breathing in the water. I, I thought everyone knew what I knew. I didn't realize that what I knew was different and special. And so that was basically the shoulder tap that got me to step out boldly and say that I wanted to help people on an international level and I started attracting business just like that as soon as I started asking people if they wanted to work with me. Wow. And today you, you're a business consultant, you're a coach. You also have a team of marketers working for you, doing the marketing mm -hmm. for the different businesses that you advise, right? Yes. And in, in many ways, it's, you're like a bigger version, version of many of our marketing agencies listening to the podcast today. And I think the listeners are also very much like the people that you coach. So mm -hmm. I want to ask you if you can share uh, what are the main areas that you find business owners need to work on to grow their business when, when you tackle, you know, having advised so many businesses, do you see a pattern? Does it usually fall under three buckets or some sort of blueprint? Uh, I would say that most people come to me and they say they need help with marketing. They need a marketing strategy because they want to attract more business. And to me, that's like the outer layer of the onion. And when I start peeling things back and I start asking them questions about their business, it's not usually marketing that they need. Yes, they may need marketing, but before they do marketing, they need to understand first what their business model is. A mm. lot of people are throwing anything and everything they can at the wall, hoping something will stick. They're chasing money instead of getting real clarity on the way that they generate income inside of their business. Hmm. And so I will see people that have a million different offers and not one of those offers is generating $100,000 a year in sales. So they're expending all of this energy far and wide instead of going deep on a couple of things that they're really good at. And hmm. so business model is always the first thing that I look at. And the second oh. thing that I look at is what I call pricing for profit. There's a lot of, and, and, you know, I see this with men and women, but I see it more so with women that I do men. People just arbitrarily pick a price and they don't actually think about how much money they want to make when they're pricing things. So they don't understand the financial aspects of running a business. They don't understand, you know, how much they're going to pay in taxes on what they just charged, how much they're going to pay for the technology that they use in their business, what their operating costs are. And so I really try to look at what the model is and how the model is being priced so that you can generate the profit that you want. And then we look right. at the messaging and the marketing to see, does it support this bigger business goal? So if we take it back to agencies, if I'm an agency and I'm doing 9,000 things, like I have 9,000 products, like you said, I do website right. building and Facebook advertising and PPC and blah, 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 and like 15 other products. And you're looking at my P&L and you're actually saying, hey, about 50% of your income is coming from these two products. Right. Why don't you just take it easy, right? And, and focus on these two, maybe one more. Is that kind of the approach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can tell you because I am an accidental agency owner. I mean, I, it's funny. I, I got an email from someone on LinkedIn uh, to my inbox this morning telling me that they could help me get 30 more leads for my agency. And my response was, I have more business and I know what to do with. I don't need leads right now. Like, <laughs> please, no, I can't support the leads. We've got way too much business. So 
I think what happens is when you are in that agency model and you are a generalist who is good at a whole bunch of things and a client says, oh, can you do Google AdWords for me too? Oh, can you do Facebook ads? Oh, can you do a book cover? Oh, can you do SEO? You, you end up saying yes out of a desire to be helpful mm-hmm. when you might not be the right person to actually do that work. So I've had to get really clear on what are we really good at? What are the things that we should do that we're good at, we enjoy doing and are profitable? And what are the things that I should actually raise my hand and say, we're not the best team to do that work. But Mm. these guys over here, we've worked in partnership with them before and they're excellent at it. And so I think that's, that is something that agencies need to learn how to do, but it requires a certain level of confidence and cash flow to be able to do that. Because if I'm saying no to, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, $100,000 in business, because I don't think that our team is the right team, I've got to be okay with that and know that my business is still okay. But mm-hmm. there's this, this um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the rule of three and 10. So I heard about the rule of three and 10 on a Tim Ferriss podcast years ago, he interviewed the founder, I believe it was of Evernote. And this, it comes from someone in Japan, but they talk about the fact that you know, every time you triple the size of your business, it breaks. So you go from one person to three, the way you communicate changes, because when you're one person, you know how to do everything. When you're three people, you need to communicate with the team. But when you go from three to 10, and then you go from 10 to 30, the processes and the structure that you need in place to be able to communicate and do things well changes. And so what I see happen with a lot of agencies is they're afraid to invest in the infrastructure that they need at 10 and 30. They're still trying to operate like they're a team of three. And Mm -hmm. so they become a jack of all trades and a master of none. And they're constantly trying to get new business because they can't retain the business that they have because they don't have the right infrastructure to deliver. Okay. So I I think that's, you're a hundred percent correct, at least from what I saw with agencies. How, so that requires some sort of mindset shift, right? Mm-hmm. When, okay, I'm, I'm hearing Lisa and I'm saying, okay, but like you said, uh, I, I want to make that extra $30,000. I want to make that extra $50,000. I need to do those things. Or I think I need to do those things because my mindset is already geared to working in a specific way. Do you have some tips or ways of how I can work on myself to shift my mindset towards what you're saying? Well, I think you need three things. I think you need money. I think you need mindset. And then I think you need courage. So I think you need to look at the long game. So you you are always going to be chasing money if you don't have money. So if if your bank balance is at $5,000 and payroll is next week and it's $5,000, then whatever comes your way, you're going to grab it because you don't have the cash flow to run your business properly. Mm. So in order for you to have the mindset around investing in your business, 
you also need to have access to the funds because you can't just go hire a person and not pay them. You have to have the money to do that. So I think money, this is why I say pricing for profit is so important is if you don't have money in the bank to pay someone, you can't go hire that additional resource mm -hmm. unless you're going to put it on credit or line of credit. So that to me is first and foremost. Mindset for me is really looking at the runway of how long it's going to take to ramp up. So I'm in a bit of a pivotal area in my business right now where we grew at a rate of 50% a year, three years in a row. And so we're literally like busting at the seams and we are in that stage where everything is broken and we're trying to, to fix it. And mm -hmm. so I'm looking at over hiring right now. And I know that when I over hire and I spend that money, in the short term, it's going to affect my profit margin because in the short term, I'm investing in getting the people that I need so that I can grow to the next level. But right. what most people do is they try to grow to the next level and then find the people and you can't do it that way. That's why it requires courage. And so I think that when you break it down, so if I look at uh, if I look at hiring somebody new on my team, and let's say it's a $50,000 a year commitment, mm -hmm. I don't look at it as a $50,000 uh, decision. I look at it as a $1,000 a week decision. And nice. I ask myself, how can I generate an additional $1,000 a week in revenue if I need to, to pay for this person's salary while we grow and fill them? So, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, I put somebody into a copywriting role on my team and because I was outsourcing all of my copywriting and I felt like there was an opportunity to build that area of the business. I knew the first year I was going to lose money. Mm -hmm. I knew the first year I wasn't going to have enough copywriting work to do that. I also knew by year two, I would probably break even. And by year three, it would be a profitable role inside of the business. It requires the cash flow to fund it. And it requires the courage to actually stay in it long enough to build uh, a profitable team member out of the right. role that you add. Right. So you, you really need to have a very strong feeling that this is going to work because a three-year vision when you're a small business is a very long, long away future. Right. Uh, so, okay. So one of the things that also happen when people make those shifts is, and I'm sure you're aware of it, uh, when you're helping other businesses is, okay, cool, Lisa, Lisa I get it. I'm going to do it. I have the money. I'm going to do it now. I'm working on it. A month or two down the road, zero accountability. <laughs> no, no, zero accountability. I made one move out of a hundred that I need to do, but the day-to-day -day business kind of takes over and you forget about it. How do you deal with accountability? How do you deal with getting things done? How do you do that for yourself or getting somebody else to do it? Well, it's interesting you say that. So there's a couple of things that I would say. Um, as a business coach and or advisor, I always look at my number one role as holding the space for what you tell me is most important. And so if you tell me that growing your business to $100,000 is most important or a million dollars is most important or a new website is most important, whatever that thing is that is most important, I need to check in on it every time I talk to you. So how's this going? I need to keep that vision in line of sight for you. Hmm. In the Strategy Lab, which is an online program that I run, it's a membership program for business owners, uh, I host quarterly planning sprints. And I do it 
exactly for that reason, because entrepreneurs get distracted and they get busy and they forget what they said they wanted to do. And so by reprioritizing your strategy on a quarterly basis and committing inside of a community to a group of people, what you're going to do, there's a little bit of pressure and accountability because people are checking in. How's this going? How's that going? And then we have learning labs twice a month and the learning labs are designed to help people with business growth. So there's accountability in those labs as well in terms of the action that people are going to take. And then the third thing that I would say, and people always say to me, I feel like I'm such a loser. Like I shouldn't need somebody to sit with me in order to get stuff done. Uh. Well, <laughs> I got to tell you, the smartest business owners know themselves well, and they know whether they can rely on themselves to get something done or not. And if you've been trying to get something done and it's been 30, 60, 90 days, and you're not able to get it done, then hire someone to do it with you. Even my own podcast, I got to tell you, I do solo episodes of my podcast that are teaching episodes. And then I interview people. Interviewing people is easy. I just get to show up and ask questions. But when I'm <laughs> teaching, I need to prepare. I had, need to have talking points and I need to have all this stuff ready in order to do a good job. So I actually have someone who does that work with me. And I joke, I say, I need, I need you to babysit me for an hour so that I record my podcast. And literally she's on screen and I'm going through the stuff and I'm talking to her, but nobody knows she's there because <laughs> I know that if I don't make an appointment with someone to do it, it's not going to get done because mm -hmm. I'll move it to the bottom of the priority list. So I think that business owners who get on the treadmill of, or the hamster wheel of all the other things that have to happen, they need to know themselves and they need to invest in getting somebody to do it with them in order to really make the giant leaps that they want to make in their business. So that somebody can be a coach. It can be a community like you mm -hmm. have. Can it be a friend or that, that doesn't work? Uh, my experience is friends don't work so much unless it's, you know, my girlfriend that I walk with in the morning because I'm going to meet her and I'm going to walk. And so I'm accountable to walking. But I think that, um, you know, the woman that meets me with my podcast is a former client of mine that I coached for seven years. I helped her scale her business and I helped her sell her business. Mm. And the beauty of having her sit with me when I'm planning and recording my podcast is she is so indoctrinated with how I think about business that it's like she holds the mirror up to remind me that mm. what I have to say is important. And she reminds me of other things that I've said to her that have made an impression that I don't even realize have made an impression. So I think it's better to have somebody that you're paying, not just a friend who's hanging out. Like I pay this person to do this with yeah. me. Um, because I think when you are, in, when you have skin in the game and they have a vested interest because they're also getting paid, you have a greater likelihood of it working. A friend yeah. will let you off the hook. I agree. I agree. I think that's, that's a, a convenient place to go, but a hundred percent, somebody that you pay shouldn't let you off the hook. And exactly. if, if they're a good coach. So uh, I can, you know, can you share a few examples with us of, and you and I talked before the, before the, the start of this podcast about going in and helping businesses and our marketing and the marketing experts listening to this right now are going in and helping businesses with the marketing and how important it is to look beyond marketing and look at the business as a business and become a little bit of a business consultant. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. I think marketing is, uh, first of all, 
I think you're doing a disservice to your clients if you only understand marketing and you don't understand business because the function of marketing is to support business growth. And so marketing is to really help more people know you so that you can grow your business. And if you don't understand the fundamentals of um, business, then it's going to be hard for you to really help your clients. So I think when you go in and, and people are presenting with a marketing problem, it's mm -hmm. your job as a, as a marketing expert to really ask more business oriented questions so that you can gather as much information as possible to really advise them on the right way to move forward. I mean, if I look at my business, I get paid a lot more for my my business advisory services, my right. time and expertise than what my team, what I bill out for my team's time on marketing implementation. Strategy is very important. Strategy can help you move the needle and really make a significant impact in a business. Whereas a lot of times people who present with marketing only, they get almost pigeonholed into, oh, I can do pretty designs in Canva. Like, mm. you know, marketing, <laughs> marketing consultants and marketing, social media marketing people, they're a dime a dozen today. So if you're not differentiating in some way, then you are going to be competing, I think, in a pretty commoditized, low, uh, low revenue space. Right. So yeah, differentiation is a big, a big, big thing we're talking about again and again and again. And you're raising a new point. Uh, we have other people saying you need to go niche to build a brand, and that will create a differentiation. Other people are talking about USPs, and you're also talking about a USP, but from another direction, saying, "Hey, you're not just a marketer. Marketing is related to business. Come and help that that business grow on a strategic level." also more money, more differentiation. So can you give us an example of a business where they called you up maybe to help with marketing and it kind of evolved into something more that you helped them grow their bottom line? Uh, psychology practice. Uh, psychology practice. Uh, the founder called me. She needed help with marketing to grow her business. And when we started to you know, really peel back the layers and, and because I wanted to know how the business worked. I wanted to know, I was looking for uh, what the Heath brothers would call the bright spots. Hmm. So I literally made her pull out a calendar and write down her sales for every single day of the year so that I could look at what was happening in her business. And I noticed this trend there every so often there was a day where the sales were over $2,500, but most of the other days they were below that, way below that. And so I wanted to understand what happened on those days. And by understanding what happened on those days, we were able to develop a strategy that has essentially helped her to quadruple her business and have mm. multiple offices and multiple clinicians now. Because what was happening on those days is they were doing testing. And in a oh. psychology practice, testing leads to therapy. And testing is a higher priced item. And so generic marketing wouldn't have worked for her. But right. specialized marketing, marketing to schools for kids that need testing, marketing to parents who have kids that they want to have tested, marketing to um, pediatrician offices that are looking for psychologists that specialize in testing, positioning them as the best in class testing service in their city became a differentiator that allowed them to grow. 
So what I made her do the first year is I made her write her sales down on a calendar every day and circle how many days out of the month did she beat $2,500? Because it used to be once in a blue moon. I think when we did this, it was like four or five days out of the whole year that we had $2,500 days. Well, all of a sudden it became one a month and then it became two a month and then it became one a week. And then all of a sudden it was, well, 2,500 is, is way too low. Our baseline now is 5,000. And so by focusing, by really peeling back the layers and looking at the business and understanding what is the driver of the business growth, then you can align the marketing. But if I just went in and I put a pretty little band-aid and said, oh, you need Facebook and you need Instagram and you need Twitter ads and all, like it wouldn't have worked because we wouldn't have known what the right thing was to do. Mm-hmm. So I want to tell you a story about a man named Jackie. And my husband and I bought a home or cottage years ago on uh, the ocean in Nova Scotia. And we bought a shed because we wanted to be able to store, you know, our lawn tractor and you know, a bunch of different things in the shed. And so the home building guys deliver the shed and they put it on cinder blocks. And, uh, you know, my husband goes into the shed after and it's not level. So he's like, you know, tomorrow I'm going to need to go to town. I'm going to need to get a jack and some shims and level it because if we put stuff in it and it's not level, the floor is going to bust, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to ruin our new shed. So Jackie is this, you know, guy and, and, you know, bless his soul, he passed away last year, but he was an older man who did yard work and odd jobs for people. And he was just the nicest guy. And so he shows up and he's like, oh, you're building a deck and oh, you got your new shed. And my husband's like, yeah, we need to, you know, go into town tomorrow and get a jack and shim up the, the put some shims down so the shed is level. And Jackie's like, ah, oh, you don't need to do that. He walked over to our fire pit. He picked up a great big boulder. He carried that boulder over, set it beside the shed, went and grabbed one of the two by fours that my husband was using to build the deck, stuck it underneath the shed on top of the rock, walked to the end of it, stepped on it and lifted the shed up with one foot and said, here, you can shim it now. I look at business strategy in the exact same way. You got to find the lever. You got to find the thing that makes it easy to lift your business up. And too many people are just trying to work with what they have. They're trying to just put, you know, a new coat of paint on that broken shed instead of figuring out what is the lever that's actually going to make this work. Right. Right. Excellent point. Excellent point. So I, I, I don't know. Do you have any pointers, though? How do you start that transition? Because like you said, many people come to the marketing industry and they're good at maybe a vertical, maybe a bunch of marketing, uh, you know, uh, abilities, they know social, but maybe their business acumen is not so deep to understand how to approach it. Is there, and, 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 I'm, and, I'm, and I'm segueing into something else, is there a book that you can recommend for them to read? Because I know that you're a big advocate of business owners needing to read, and you also have a program around it, which I also mm-hmm. want you to talk about a little bit, because that really picked my curiosity and mm-hmm. and I I, I, I I find it very interesting that you're choosing different books to help businesses grow together with training around it. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So um, I think that understanding the financial fundamentals of how to run a business is 
absolutely necessary in order for you to have business success long-term. And the one book that I give to every single one of my clients, my new coaching clients, is um, the Success Blueprint. Is that it right there? Hang on one sec. Let me grab it. It's this book. Ultimate Blueprint for an Insanely Successful Business, and it's written by Keith Cunningham. You can see there's a bunch of different flags in it. I read this book probably once a year. Um, if Have you ever heard of the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yeah. So Robert Kiyosaki wrote about his rich dad and his poor dad. Keith Cunningham was his rich dad. Mm. So this book is a fantastic book to help you really think about your business differently. I would say that if you find this book intimidating or overwhelming, Mike Michalowicz's book, Profit First, is another really good book to read. It, I'm going to say it dumbs things down a little bit more. This book is a little bit more sophisticated, which is why I like it. I like Mike and I like the whole Profit First um, concept. I always say you should move your profit to the top instead of the bottom. Um, mm. But I'm not a fan of the complexities of all of the banking systems that he recommends in Profit First. To me, it's just, it's, it's a little bit too much. So I really like that book uh, in terms of really, really understanding business. Uh, Joey Coleman wrote a book called How to Never Lose a Customer Again. And he's got this whole series from acquisition to retention to referrals, um, mm. this process in his book, which is fantastic as well. I think that business owners should read a book a month. I think they should dedicate themselves to reading a book a month. And I think that when they're reading, they should be looking for one thing, not everything, because otherwise you'll never get past one book. But I think they should be looking for one thing. What is the lever in that book that is going to help you do something in your business that will help your business to grow. And if you can find that one little thing and you can take action on that one little thing, it can make a, a really huge difference. So I'm going to give you an example. This is Dan Sullivan's new book, um, mm -hmm. The Gap and the Gain. And the last book that he wrote with um, Benjamin Hardy was Who Not How. And I read Who Not How a year ago. And when I read Who Not How, I realized I needed some who's. Because there were some things that I need, I wanted to do in my business that I hadn't done yet. One, I wanted to write another book. Two, I wanted to start a podcast. And mm -hmm. so I immediately found two who's that would help me. I reached out to Alan Weiss, who is a client of mine. And I asked him, would you consider writing a book on marketing with me? And he responded instantly and said, sure, send me the, the premise and the outline by Monday. And this was a Saturday. So I busted my butt all day Sunday and I sent him the premise and I set up the outline on Monday. The next thing you know, Alan and I have a book proposal. The next thing you know, Alan and I have a publishing deal and we have a book called Masterful Marketing coming out next year. Nice. That was the result of me taking action because I asked myself who could make me write. And Alan scares me enough that I knew that if I had to write with him, I would do the work. So again, having that person sit with you to do it. And then I literally enrolled some, uh, a team of people on my team to help me get my podcast off the ground and that worked too. So, you know, when you read, it's like you're masterminding with the author. And if mm. you just take action on one idea, 
from each book, you can do a lot of significant things over the course of a year. So you, do, you also developed program from this concept, right? Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how that program works? Yeah, it's called Thought Readers. And Thought Readers is the result of um, a client of mine saying, I have a business idea for you. I'm always trying to catch up with what you're reading. I, I, I'm always, I always want to read what you read because I learned so much from what you share about the books you read. I think you should start a book club. And I thought, nobody's going to pay to be in a book club with me. Like, it's just not <laughs> going to happen. And so then I just floated the idea on Facebook, something I call invitation marketing. Is there anybody that would be interested in doing this thing? And, um, you know, 75 people said, yeah, I'd like to do it. So that was year one. So essentially, people invest $100 a month or $1,200 a year, and I ship them a book. Well, I don't, my assistant does every single month and we read the book together and I share with them what my insights and ahas and takeaways are from the book. Uh, we have a books and business call every month where I, I say it's the cheapest deal in town if you want to pick my brain about business. And, you know, we spend 60 minutes talking about the book and talking about business. And in a lot of cases, the authors will join me for an additional call to talk about the book. So when Who Not How came out, I asked uh, a couple of colleagues if they knew anyone that would introduce me to uh, Dan Sullivan, because I wanted to interview Dan Sullivan. And I was told flat out, there is no way you are going to get Dan Sullivan for an interview. <laughs> well, guess who got Dan Sullivan for an interview? And yeah, guess who's coming back to talk about this book? I love this program. Yeah, I love I it. Too. I absolutely, I think it's an awesome idea. First off, mm -hmm. It would, it would create some accountability about you actually reading a book, mm -hmm. which I agree everybody needs to do once a month. And you really go and pick your brain. And it's an insight, you know, getting some insights, getting that lever that you talked about. I, I think it's an amazing idea. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking and about doing things a little bit differently next year. Um, I've started using Evernote to capture all of my ideas. And so I am thinking about um, giving people basically my Evernote file for each book that I read because I literally uh, type up you know the what I've underlined the page number and then my thoughts on what I just read and so it literally could be a resource you might not want to read the whole book but you might read my notes and you might go oh I want to learn more about what that is about and the, that literally allows it's like I'm pointing to the pages that you should read in a book that's smart I I'm actually going to join this. You, I, I love it. I, I think cool. it's a great concept. Yes. Uh, we are closing in on the end of the podcast, but before I let you go, we have a section called rapid Q&A. Mm -hmm. Ask you a few questions. Uh, sure. I need quick answers. The questions are in no way edgy, but if you feel uncomfortable with any of them, just say pass. Okay. Okay. So uh, did you get along with your parents growing up? Yes and no. My parents were divorced. My mom, yes. My dad, not so much. Okay. Do you have siblings? I have two sisters from my dad's second marriage. Do you have a pet? I have two miniature wire-haired dachshunds. Nice. Do you have kids? No kids. Dogs. I like dogs better. <laughs> when do you wake up? Uh, between six and seven. When do you go to bed? Between nine and ten. Ideal vacation. 
probably a whiskey tour in Scotland. Nice. Uh, are you a woman of faith? Yes. Awesome. That's it. That was wonderful, Lisa. Thank you very, very much for being on the show and helping all the entrepreneurs. All your answers were excellent. And, and uh, you know, I, I'm sure everybody got a lot from it. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was great having this conference. It felt like we could talk for hours. <laughs> Completely. I'm, I'm just respectful of your, of your time, but maybe we can have you again. Yeah, that would be great. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lisa. You're welcome. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the Marketing Umbrella Podcast, where we provide the information you need from successful leading marketers to build and grow your digital marketing agency. Your host has been Inamar Shafir, founder and CEO of Umbrella, the technology platform and brand that is powering thousands of marketing agencies around the country. Find him at UmbrellaUS.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.